I don't like the word balance because when you're going for dreams and aspirations and you're all in, yeah, you're not balanced. That that anxiety was yeah. snowballing and I had no breathing or positive talk or anything to help yeah. me bring it back. It was just worry. Changing your framework from win or loss or starting or not to go mastery, like keep mastering your skill. So yes, I'm not starting, but I can still go master my skill and, and hone my craft. So what growth mindset is though, it's, it's a mental attitude that determines how you react and respond in situations. Show me your five best friends and I'll show you where you go in your life. Hello and welcome to the Brian Moyler podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international rugby player turned high performance mindset coach. Each week on this podcast, I bring you an interesting person or message to help you discover how to be happier, more fulfilled and more successful. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player is available now on Amazon and Audible with links in the show notes. If you love this podcast, please send on some friends. You can subscribe on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and can also leave five-star reviews there. Thanks, Mill, for spending some time with me today. Now let's get into it. Hey, hope you're keeping well. So today I'm sitting down with Jed Robinson, former Hurricanes, Highlanders, Rebels and Crusaders player. Yeah, a bit of everything, nearly the whole the whole lot. Um, and also we're coaching together now in Christchurch. So today we're going to chat about... The five pillars or five step process to achieving your dreams. That's it. Where'd you come across this first of all? Mm, uh, I think probably more just a reflective tool. So I was finished my career, was obviously done a lot of reading, was kind of reflecting back, looked doing the reading and then had started working with athletes and doing a little bit of mentoring. And I was like, I wonder, like, you know, the old John Wooden, Wooden has his kind of pyramid. And I was looking at that and I was going, what do I reckon are the, what are the key kind of areas that you need to cross off to kind of get to where your aspirations or your goals or your dreams? And I always knew growth mindset was going to be in there. That's kind of my baby. And I was like, oh, yep, yeah, I reckon growth mindset's kind of one of the one of the key pillars here. And then I was like, what else? Well, you have to train heaps. So I was like, okay, well, you, deliberate practice, not just practice, and we'll dive into what deliberate practice looks like. And I was like, well, they have to just practice their butts off, like the Steph Curry kind mm. of effect. And I was going, well, you have to have an environment where people are around you that want to make you better and believe in you. Um, there's people that come out of environments that aren't like that, so they're super special again, but you need an environment and relationships with people that are going to help you on that journey. And then I was like, well, what else is there? So I definitely think those three. And then I was like, well, you kind of need a quality coach. You need good feedback kind of mentor along the way because it's not going to be easy and things are going to happen. And then I was like, so those are probably the first four I had. And I was like, and then with the work I've been doing with the academy that I'm involved with now and looking after athletes and helping them along their pathway, what I've learned from outside of rugby is that a lot of them don't understand what the, and when I say pictures of performance look like, what are the key fundamental things that they have to nail off within their sport 
And it, and it tunes to deliberate practice, but a lot of them don't have any awareness of what that is. So, um, for example, I've got a young table tennis player at the moment, um, and he's 16, 17, and he's never been in the gym before. Um, and I was like, well, what are the what are the athletes or the, the good table tennis that are ranked higher than you, what are they doing? And he's like, well, they hit the ball harder, and they get more spin on the ball. And I was like, so where does that come from? And he's like, oh, well, you've got to really get ground, you know, you're pushing, it's like a jab, you've got to get the weight mm. through your legs up. And I was like, so do you know the gym can help you with that? And he's like, oh, can it? So he hadn't put the correlation between doing some power and strength work for his legs at the gym would help him get more spin and power when he does table tennis. So for me, that just seemed, well, you, that would just make common sense. But I think when you're younger and if your environment doesn't have that as part of what it is, it's just go hit table tennis, he couldn't get the correlation or understand that picture of performance. So I kind of layered that one in. So now I have those kind of five pillars. And I think over time, if you chip away at those five and you put that support around those five pillars, I think you're a good shot to go towards your dreams and your aspirations. Love it. So you created this. I created it. Brilliant. When, yeah. you, sent, when you sent it on to me, I was like, this is sick. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I love this. And I was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll work our way up through it. And the way I have it kind of structured, yeah, dreams at the very top. Mm. First step, growth mindset. Second, deliberate practice. Third, positive environment. Pictures of performance and quality coaching or a mentor. Chat to me about growth mindset and what that is. Because, because once again, sorry to cut across, but when I was younger and playing high levels, I didn't... I didn't know that's whatever, 15, 10, 15 years ago, but I didn't understand this stuff. Mm. And it seems so obvious to me now, so obvious to you. It's obvious, but genuinely didn't get it. No, nah, and neither did I. And I think as we grew up playing, and a lot of kids do, you just play and you hope you're, you just, whatever your personality and your style is, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, I think I was lucky that I probably had... I lean towards a growth mindset in rugby um, or in sport more than I than I knew at the time. And then when I started reading, I goes, oh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. But it was luckily I was in a positive framework with that. So what growth mindset is, though, it's, it's a mental attitude that determines how you react and respond in situations. So for me, um, I'm very fixed mindset towards singing. Um, and I've, I've told this story before. So when I was about eight years old, I was in class and we were doing singing <clears throat> and, the, and I was trying really, really hard and the teacher goes, get out of class, Jed. I was a bit of a little S-H-I-T. Mm. And um, I was like, what for? And she goes, you're not singing properly. And it kind of hit me hard because I was actually trying to sing properly. Yeah. So I got very fixed mindset that I can't sing. I'm not good at it. I'll never do it. So I never tried. Um, but what growth, what a growth mindset person is, and there's five areas to that, is... You believe effort is the way to get better. So that is the path to mastery. And it's the first pure one that if I give effort, I can get better at something. The second and third one which are, are connected is around challenges and obstacles. So when challenges come or obstacles come, if I'm fixed mindset, I don't. I go, oh, I, I, I'm going to avoid this. I don't want challenges. This is too hard. I'm not good at this. I'm going to give up. So you step out of that. Mm -hmm. But a growth mindset person goes, 
all right, I'm going to embrace this. What can I learn from, from this challenge or obstacle? How do I adapt from it and how do I keep getting better? The next one, the fourth one is one of the big ones is around feedback. So uh, a growth mindset person sees feedback as a way of getting better. So Brian, if you're watching me coach or you're watching me play rugby, what are you seeing? How can I do it better? And I'm open and curious to get better. Where a fixed mindset person really, really struggles to take feedback because they see that as their gift. So you're, you're a, a coach and that is your gift and that's what you do and I come up and give you some feedback that you're not doing it so well in a constructive way and you feel like I'm attacking you as a person, mm. you do not want to hear it. And we all know people in different environments that struggle with that because you feel like they're, you're attacking me as a person. Yeah. So it's a real key one, open, curious. And then the last one is the success of others. So we've got a real big tall poppy syndrome here in New Zealand. I don't know what it's like in Ireland. Exact same. Exact same, yeah. So what we do here is when we see other teams or people doing well, we want to cut them down oh, they're not doing that that good, they're not good at this, or that's crap, or whatever it might be. But actually what we should be doing is, how are they being successful? What are they doing? How can I emulate them and how can I copy them? So a big thing with athletes now is when I get an athlete who's at a regional level, top regional level, so these are all kind of national age-grade athletes, I'll ask them who's the best in their position or in their field or sport or whatever it is. And it's normally someone overseas, and I'll go, well, do you follow them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever? Mm. And half of them will be like, oh, nah. And I said, well, why not? Because they're, they're doing exactly what you want to do. Why aren't you following them, seeing what they're doing, and let's mm. try and copy some of the stuff they're doing? But a lot of us, don't. we want to cut that down, and we don't want to say, we just want to say, nah, I don't like them. But actually, why are they good? What are they doing? Um, and I reckon if you look at tennis, the good example is kind of the big three in tennis. Well, it's not the big three anymore because yeah. Roger's retired. But I think I think Nadal, Federer and Djokovic were looking at each other and kind of taking each other and going, oh, his game there is really good. How can I can do that? And they're almost doing that as a triangle thing on each other. And then they've won everything for the last 15, 20 years. And I reckon that's part of it because their growth mindset said it, but they're looking at each other about what they're doing and how can they copy each other. Um, we yeah we instead of cutting them down, yeah. Um, so that that's that's growth mindset in a nutshell. So um, effort, big one. Effort gonna work. Challenges and obstacles. I'm gonna keep. Um, that's part of the journey. How can I adapt and learn from those? Uh, taking feedback from from people, and then using the success of others to kind of help me get better at my my event, um, whatever I might be doing that I want to be good at, that I'm aspiring to be the best at. Brilliant. And I think that for a lot of people, effort is obvious. We all know that um, seeking challenge is obvious. Like, you know, as young yeah. from the age of, you know, eight or 10 or 12, if you have it, you're going to look to challenge. And and of course, it could be difficult stepping up when you're a kid, but you you then look to you relish that. Mm. The feedback thing comes, I think, somewhat, but it's still not always easy. But you you get an understanding of that. And something I find fascinating and it's something I've been working on recently in the last, you know, just awareness of myself, the success of others thing. And nothing is, it's not like a zero sum game, you know, like you looking at other hookers will say and going, I hope he does bad. I hope he fit like everyone can succeed. That's the thing. What I didn't get as well. Everyone in life can succeed. Do you get me? Everyone can. We think there's only one Jersey. We think there's only one gold medal. 
of course, if you look at it that way, there is, but everyone can succeed. And something I was looking at recently, a different kind of angle to this is the subconscious mind. And if you are going around thinking, I want him to fail, I want fail, I want fail, I want fail, you start, you're looking at everyone wanting everyone to fail. You're just, you're driving that into your subconscious mind that you want failure. Mm. And that's what you're, you're filling your mind with, failure, I want failure. And so it drags you down. Whereas if when you are comfortable with how anyone else goes, then it it really releases that from you, releases that burden. You, you couldn't have said it better. And the the best example from this is, so I was, as in the last podcast, so Dane Coles and me were coming through at the same time. I was a couple of years older than him, but we were coming through the academy together. So if I'm comparing myself to Dane Coles at that stage, like he was doing things that were his running game and his athleticism was out of the gate. Yeah. And for a long time, I would compare myself and do exactly that. Like, I like Dane, but if he was in the field and he missed a line out, I, I would do that in my head. Mm. I, I would be like secretly happy that he missed a set piece, even though I'm in the same team and we want to win the game, yeah. because I was I wanted that spot. Yeah. And and then after a while, and the and Tom Lee Allison. Um, was awesome. He sat in a group and said to us, "Hey guys," and he fronted. Like he he said that he goes, "If we're sitting here and we're wanting our person in our position to to be to have like to fail, this doesn't help the team. This is not a way we want to live our lives." He no. and I and it kind of it really resonated with me. And he said, "What we want, what we should be saying is, we want that person to do the best they can, which means I have to raise my game to be the best I am." which helps the team and helps both of us. And that kind of drew a line in the sand for me because I'd, I remember I'd be in the team and Dane would be starting and someone would come up to me and I'd be, they're like, oh, do you want me to get someone to cut Dane's leg off or break his leg or yeah. something? And I'd be like, no, 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 he's going really well. I've just got to improve my game. I'm going to work on it. And that, it changed our relationship too. Like we started, we got on really well after that. I didn't see it. I was competitive, like I wanted the spot. But I didn't want it just so he was failing. And you were so right. Because if we tune, if I'm putting all my attention to the negative, that's what I'm seeing all the time. And that's what I'm creating. Instead of just saying, okay, let's let's be my best. And that's good for the team and see where it takes me. And yes, he became an 84 test all black and deserved every bit of it. And I didn't, but I still had a great career and I went off a different path. And I will see him today and we'll have a big hug. And we were there on that early part of the journey. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and the last one, that's cool, and the last kind of thing on this, I, I think is, I heard it said very recently, there's two ways to have the biggest building in town. You can try and burn everyone else's down, <laughs> yeah, or you yeah. can try and build a good one yourself. Yeah, nice. And um, just one last one, sorry, on that is, uh, the what your mind, what you're thinking in your mind changes your energy. So like yeah. you say, like you, if you want him to fail, your energy, and this is very obvious, when the team is selected often and it's some, once again didn't get when I was younger and, and the subs then ev they're pissed and they're ver their yeah. energy sappers and they go out to training and they drive it's very obvious we all know it I, I used to think energy is a big oh hokey pokey but it, it's not no. we all know that example you go out on a Thursday the subs are dragging down the energy they're moping about they're pissy and they're bringing everyone's energy down because they're thinking all this kind of stuff yeah I used to call it cancer for a team. Yeah. And if you, especially if a senior leader lost his position in the side to someone young, 
um, and you could just see that energy shift change and they had a lot of mana in the group and then now they're not acting with the same values of what the group is, it can really bring down a team. And I, I've seen it heaps. So I had to be really, because towards the end of my career at the Crusaders, I didn't play a lot and I felt I wasn't negative as in I just wanted to play, but I had to be very aware of my energy within that environment and what I was creating um, because I didn't want to bring down the team because the team's bigger than me as an individual and I still mm. wanted to be the person I wanted to be. So I had to kind of live that, but it was hard. It was, it's not easy all the time. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, agree with you wholeheartedly. And it's something with these, I think, it's, it's hard, like you say, and it's, it's not easy. Like, you, you bring awareness. The first step is always awareness, but then it's hard. You know, like mm. I remember in chatting to my younger brother or something, and it's like um, getting dropped or whatever. It's like you have to be really positive now or you have to be good energy around yeah. the team. Like you can't, and, and it's very hard. Mm. Yeah, and, it's, and I think it's changing, as we've spoken about, changing your framework from win or loss or starting or not to go mastery, like keep mastering your skill so yes, I'm not starting, but I can still go master my skill and, and hone my craft, and then that will take care of itself over time. So you have to really frame it into to the process instead of the outcome. Mm. 100%. And then so next one, deliberate practice. Yeah, so it sounds really obvious that you have to work on your craft or your game or the skill, whatever you're wanting to do, to get better at it. But... The interesting thing about deliberate practices, and why I say deliberate, because practice doesn't mean you have to be very, you have to have your mind on to get better. If I go out to training, and I see this all the time, and there'll be a group of guys in a circle, and they'll just be talking, passing the ball, and it's like they're not concentrating, mm. they're just passing the ball because there's a ball in their hand, not because they're actually trying to get better, they're just having to talk, mm. and, they're doing, and they're not doing great technique, but they're just passing the ball. And I'm like, either talk and put the ball down or don't talk and really try and focus on that technique to how you get that pass better. So it's like we never get better at driving, but we drive all the time mm. because we're not actually concentrating on how we have our hands or how we're going to go around that corner or how we use our foot on the pedals. We're just driving. So we're not conscious on what we're trying to do to get better. Now, the other thing with deliberate practice is because we have such a fear of failure, we need to be failing regularly, and this goes back to growth mindset, we need to be failing regularly to get our brain to adapt to what we're trying to learn. If we're not failing, our brain's not firing up because mm. it doesn't have to because it's too easy. So there's actually no point in doing that skill again. So we're just practicing for the sake of it. So another example is if we're doing the old school, just four in a row, let's pass the ball in waves, What's the point if we're just passing the ball and no one's making a mistake? But if we've got a fear of failing mistake, we're holding ourselves back. So how are we going to get better? But we, we're attuned with coaches and the old school, like if you drop that ball, we're running around the post. Yeah. So you're actually saying the opposite to what you need your players to be doing. What you should be saying is, if you don't go hard and concentrate and make a mistake, I'm making you run around the post. Yeah. Because it's too easy. But we have a sense of dread around failure and the opinions of others and this is a cultural societal thing um, and and that's that real fixed mindset coming back 
Now, what happens in our brain with deliberate practices, when we go outside our comfort zone and we're making mistakes, our brain fires up. So it goes, you beauty, you're firing me up. I actually have to work now. Mm. Yeah, it's like, so it's, it fires up. And then what happens is, if you think about the neural pathways, so it's firing up that new neural pathway. But when it's something new, it's clunky. So that pathway hasn't been done. We haven't practiced it. So that pathway is clunky. So if you go back to when I first started throwing the ball in, I couldn't hit a barn door. Like I was, my technique was awful. Sometimes it would spiral. I was playing first 15 rugby and throwing eight non straight, not straights a game. And I was like, man, I'm no good at this. And I was ho trying to hone my craft, but I had no real um, understanding around what my technique looked like and how I could get better. I would, I thought at lunchtime doing 20 minutes, taking a bag of balls and throwing the ball against the wall twice a week for 20 minutes was going to make my throw better. So on a Saturday, I was, oh yeah, I've done the work now. But when I look back on it, that was laughable. Just grabbing the ball and throwing it against the wall. Like there was no sense of how that was going to help me get better. So then what happens is that neural pathway is getting, once the more and more you do it, you're developing that neural pathway and a thing called myelin is growing in your brain. And what myelin is, it's wrapping around that neural pathway. And the more myelin you have, the faster your neural pathway works. So I think if you went and cut Steph Curry's head, like brain in half right now, and this has been done when they've looked at people that have died, he'll just have like a huge chunk of myelin in his brain because he's honed that passing, that, that skill of like shooting over and over, he's got that myelin just wrapping and wrapping and wrapping around that neural pathway. So he does unbelievable shots. He's got a mindset that is a tribute to it, but he's honed his craft through deliberate practice. Um, another good example is when I was playing cricket, um, I'd get out early and you know, there's a lot of downtime in cricket. Yeah. And you're sitting around. So I'd grab the cricket balls and I'd start juggling. I was like, I just need to do something. So I was bored because I couldn't sit still as a young one. So I'd just start juggling. And then I'd juggle the boards, and then I was like, oh, what's a new trick? I'd fail heaps, I'd keep dropping it. And then I'd learn one trick, and then I'd learn another trick, and then I could juggle three balls pretty well. And then I was like, oh, what if, what if I could like have three apples? And this took me a couple of years. I had three apples, and I juggled an apple, and I could eat an apple as I was juggling. Wow. So I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And at first I, could, I couldn't choose the apple I was eating. I could just, whatever apple hit. And, and then I went, well, what if I could eat one apple down? So I can still eat one apple down, and I learned that 20 years ago. So you give me five minutes practice out the side just to hone that craft, just to get my mind in the right place, that neural pathway is still sitting there. Mm. And I can eat the apple down. It's like my party trick. Same with throwing. I can still throw at a pretty high level give me five, 10 minute warm up and I could still hit that mark you gave me probably 90 out of 100 times because of the myelin and the neural pathway. But that's long, hard, arduous, slow mastery work where a lot of kids think that's gonna come in six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's five to 10 years of honing that craft yeah. to really develop that myelin and that neural pathway. So you have to get good at just I hate saying the boring stuff because I never found it boring, no. but the the function, the fundamental skills of what you're trying to do, you have to hone that over and over and over again so that you can do it. Yeah, brilliant. And 100% and just thinking of 
I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, but we're kicking. So like, uh, I can kick a ball, and then I'll be working with players, and sometimes players will say, "And what? Where should I watch it? And what? What? In? And they're like, they keep, okay. We want players to ask questions, but it gets to a point where I have to sometimes say, just just kick the ball, yeah. just just kick it, and like you say, they're looking for it in six weeks, and. Whereas I remember thinking back, playing Gaelic football since I was four, kicking rugby balls since I was six. Yeah. And you, I used to go out with my buddies who were tens and with a bag of balls for two hours in our days off, just kicking because we loved it. Yeah. And so it's like you say, it's and I didn't find that boring, loved it, but we're trying all different stuff, different tees, different placements, different everything, and you're just kicking ten thousand, hundred thousand. Yeah. And you're building it up all the time, so it's often with a lot of this. Yeah, it's. You you got to do the ten thousand hours, like they say. Yeah, yeah, and it's and now like that must have been interesting because I I, I like the ten thousand hour concept. Now they reckon it's somewhere between four and twenty thousand hours, depending on what you're trying yeah. to do. But the concept still sits there. Of course, you have to go and hone your craft. Yeah, and it's really interesting because different sports have different concepts of what that is. I've got a young crossfitter at the moment, and in, in our pathway, who's super driven, and he was 17 last year at school training twice a day. Mm. And then I had a couple of young softballers that were training twice a week and they thought that was deliberate practice. Mm. And I was like, well, hold on, guys. This guy over here is doing 14 times a week. Mm. You're doing twice. But So the awareness and understanding in their environment of what high performance is, that crossfitter, and he thought that was just normal. Yeah. And I was like, and I just kind of logged that kid, that kid's going somewhere because yeah. he's just honing his craft. He's putting the hours in, that deep practice or deliberate practice. In five or 10 years, he's going to be where he wants to be on his pathway. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, the more you practice, obviously, you get the feel and yep. the different feels. And that's something just tying in. I was chatting with Fruby for people listening, Brent Fru, who I chatted with on the podcast before, and we we're chatting about coaching, and he observed my coaching style of being um, guided discovery. So that's what I lo- like doing. Like yeah. I, I understand where, or have an idea of where they want to get to, or where, be it a player or a team, and then create things around it to help them move along. But they've got to learn themselves, like yeah, how yeah. it feels, whatever. Give a point or two here or there, but that's why. Not that I don't like when people are like, and what about this, 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 this? You, I feel you got to feel it yourself. And um, yeah, that's something I just think is so important. Having, like you say, having that awareness. So it's like you want to develop a spin pass or a hooker's throw. Mm. And like you say, bringing a lot of awareness to how you're doing it and how it feels. And another one I think is good is when a good one happens, think, how did I, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Lock it into your body. What was I doing there? And, what, and then you think about how it felt and then you try to recreate that. Mm. No, I agree. And, and I, I love um, visual for that too, like a really watching someone, I was probably a bit more visual, so if I wasn't throwing well, I'd watch someone do it really well. Yeah, That's like the success of others, right? So I'd go, oh, how's, so Andrew Hall was with me and Dane coming through, so I'd watch how he threw. I had a different technique, but I was trying to take things from what I was mm. seeing, and then when I got one right, same thing, oh, that felt trying to feel exactly how it flicked off my fingers and that feeling of it mm. and that rotation that kind of did the f- off my hands. And then you get, the more and more you develop a skill, like kicking or throwing, you see 
when I coach now, because I've done it so many, I can see, oh, that just the bit's slightly off with their back. But you have to hone that and see that over and over to see that as a coach or mm. a, as a player. But it's the same thing. It's just deep entrenched in us because of honing our craft from young and doing it. Yeah. And going back to one other point on this, but going back to when you mentioned the mistakes and it kills me. <laughs> it kills me. It really, it really actually like takes my energy when I see yeah. coaches do it. And I, I see it all the time in a warm up. The ball goes down and the coaches start shouting. Yeah. Stop. And then when the coaches start shouting, the players start shouting. So think about that player who has just dropped a ball before a game what their confidence must be like. Yeah. Uh, pick up the, oh, you can imagine the courts all going through their body, the stress, everyone's looking at me, I'm fucking it up, everyone's yeah. shouting, I need to, oh my God, uh, yeah. imagine. And what I think is huge for coaches and just to try it across is coaches need to buy into this and truly live it and believe it. Mm. It's all good saying, oh, make mistakes, but, but then come the game time, the coaches stress even if they're not saying it, it relays onto the players. The players can feel it. They can sense it, you know? I've had to really work on this personally. So I I start showing it with my mannerisms. So I'll fold my arms mm. or I'll kind of like scratch my head really yeah. hard when there's been a mistake. Now, the thing for me is the key thing around this is if people are fully attuned into what they're doing and they're making a mistake, fine. Because yep. they are really honing their yep. craft. As coaches, if they're mucking around and not concentrating, yeah. then I'll get at them for not concentrating, yeah. not for making the mistake. Hey, guys, you need to focus in here so that we can hone our craft. Yeah. You're making that mistake because you're not concentrating. Um, but you're the, the same. Like You're just actually you're just pulling that person's confidence down and you're doing the opposite to what you're actually trying to achieve. But it's, it's how we, we never really got taught it either, right? Like, this is yeah. what I'm saying. I learned growth mindset from reading about it when I was 23 and going, oh, this, there's something in this. But we're not, a lot of us aren't taught that as coaches that this is the framework that we need to lead by. Yeah, big time. And so next one, positive environment. Yeah, so positive environment. Now, there's a couple of things to this. Is I, I don't remember the quote properly, but it's something like, Show me your five best friends and I'll show you where you go in your life. Now, when you look at it from a well-being point of view, now I think it was Harvard did a study. They wanted to know why some people, so when you go to Harvard, you're already, you know, like you're the top of the top, right? And yeah. then they wanted to know why some of those people that were going were still struggling and, what, and some weren't. And what they found was that the greatest predictor of how they went academically and um, socially long-term for their, for their whole entire life, for their lifespan, came down to the quality, positive relationships and social connection that they have. So if we think of our positive environment, if we're in an, in an environment where we don't have people that believe in us or people that don't see the goals or aspirations or don't understand the path that we want to take, then that's that's not allowing us to be the pe person that I want to be and it's not allowing me to thrive as a person. So it's very tough to go towards your aspirations or goals if that's the environment that you're in. Now, some people do come out of those environments and still make it and I want to like, mm. 
give them a high like yeah. a round of applause because that is the hardest. If your environment is not allowing you see your dreams or, or giving you that opportunity, that's a tough environment to be in to still go and deliberately practice and have a growth mindset yeah. because the people closest to you aren't believing you or, or part of that. Um, so it was really interesting that they found, so what they found was in, at Harvard once, the ones that went insular and went back to their rooms and went, oh, I'm stressed, I'm going to go do more work in my rooms, to the ones that went, actually, I'm going to go connect with people and have a positive environment and do actually did less work, mm. like less study, did better academically and long-term in their life. So the environment that we have and the relationships that we have is actually number one for us, not just for honing our craft, yeah. for us to thrive in our life. Really, really um, kind of took me back a little bit because when I saw this Harvard study, I'll be, oh, I don't know. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know exactly what I thought the answer would be. I did not think the answer would be positive relationships, environment, social connection would be the greatest predictor for how well they went at Harvard. Yeah, but it's, it's then nearly obvious, isn't it? Because... I just once again bring awareness to it, but you know when you're hanging around negative people, you feel negative, and if people start to tell, you know, once again you can sense it. Oh, if they don't quite believe in you, or they think you're a bit off the wall for what you're trying to do or whatever, you then start to doubt yourself. Mm. You then start to get in your head about it. Whereas if you're around really positive people who uplift you and encourage you, you you feel so good about yourself and what you're doing and you you get a huge new energy with which to use to move towards that mm. and I think a, a really common one for say people or young people or is you know would you be comfortable talking to your friends about your aspirations mm. and I think there'd be many people who would say no because they know that they might laugh at them, but they talk about them behind their back and go, oh, that person. So then, like, are those the kind of people you want to be hanging around with? And that's and it takes it back to the tall poppy thing again. Yeah. Like, they're laughing at you for having aspirations and goals. Yeah. couple of things that I remember. So when I was 16 or 17, I had a group of friends that I grew up with. Still friends with them. A lot of them started going down a path that wasn't the path that I wanted to go down. Um not not huge drugs, but drugs yeah, and a yeah. lot of stuff that I was at school, I was like, look, this is not for me. And I spent a bit of time trying to get them to come away from that path. Mm. But in the end, I had to, I had to not, I didn't, I don't think I sat down and went, right, I'm cutting ties with them. Yeah. But just over time, I stopped hanging out with them. I went, went, this is not the path I want to go. This is who I want to be. Yeah. I have these goals and aspirations. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. But, but I know going that way is not the environment for me. So I stepped away from that and then went and pushed myself to a group of friends that I knew that would believe in what I wanted to do. Even if they weren't following that journey, they would uplift me and go, go for it, Jed. And that just naturally happened over a couple of years. And I feel sorry for them too because mm. they probably needed some support and I tried, but I had to step away from that environment because it was sucking me down. There's some good... There is some, um, it's something like if, I am, if I'm thriving in my life and then I come and see you, then you get 15% of that from me. Yeah. And then the next person that you see, I might have the, the numbers wrong, then they'll get 7% of that from you. 
And it's something like, oh, within a one kilometer radius of me, if I'm thriving, I'll, I'll give that to like anyone that, within that environment, they'll get up to 6% of that from me. So mm. we think about the butterfly effect of you being positive and happy mm. and thriving and doing what you want. The more we have people doing that, the more that is actually giving to each other. Yeah. Just it's an, and it can go the other way too. The other, the other cool concept that I've learned around this as well is um, they were talking about relationships and what it looks like. And they did a study about looking at a mountain. So if I go up to this mountain by myself and I'm an individual, if I look at the mountain, it looks really steep. So I'll make it, I'll even think it's steeper than it is, mm. that, that gradient. If I have someone beside me that I consider a friend, when I look at that hill, it will, I will I will believe that hill was 10 to 20% less steep than it is. Wow. By just having that friend with me. So if, I know that's a hill, but if I've got a challenge or obstacle or something's hard, and you're there with me, and I consider that a friend, I'm going to think that challenge is actually a lot easier to do because I've got a mate with me. What you mentioned there with the, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm seeing so much in the last couple of years and just like reflecting back and yeah, I believe it's borderline impossible. You mentioned those couple of people who can come out of a negative environment, but it's so, so true. And I think it often happens to people. They're around, they want more out of life. Mm. They want more. They know they have more in them. They know they could do more, be more. And to be fulfilled, we need to be growing. And mm. so they're kind of, they're itching and they, they feel that inside, but they're around people that, you know, aren't doing at the same level or whatever. And they think, once again, my experience and from kind of think, seeing others or whatever, you think like, oh, I can still hang around with these guys and I'll be, I'll go to the stars. It's borderline impossible. I, I agree. And, and I think what you do is you see them coming and they do that. They have a kind of real sense of, it's almost that meaning and purpose that I've got more in me. Like you yeah. said, like there's something big for me to do here. And then they try and stick with those mates and continue doing that. And then over time, they just realize, and it's always a hard decision, but this is just not the right environment for me to continue on this journey. Um, and it's kind of sad too, because every I believe everyone has something great inside them. Absolutely. But a lot of people either don't have the environment to allow them to see that or haven't have been brought up in an environment which is tough and never lets them be their greatest or be their best. So it's sad on one environment, but it's also, um, I'm glad for the ones that can lead in that environment and get out and show it's possible. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you do see it, um, Benji Marshall, the rugby league player, New Zealand. Yeah, legend. I yeah. think he's a really good example of someone um, in his environment leading to do something great but then from that his brother's now gone gone there and he's got cousins and so he's he's led that environment to pay this is possible guys yeah and then so on that he's actually created a real awesome positive change within within a whole town friends family and going you can do this and now other people are following him and there's some great stories of people that do that that come out of environments i mean muhammad ali is probably the greatest of that and changed changed the whole game of how he saw things and then 
how many people did he inspire along that? Steve Adams in New Zealand, the basketball player who's at the NBA now, would be another example of that. Basketball is the fastest growing sport in New Zealand now mm. because I believe the Steve Adams effect because it's possible and he's led that change. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a case of, okay, you grow up in a rough environment or whatever is one thing, but then once you bring it even closer to that, the five people, like your five buddies, like you have to look at them, the five people you spend the most time with and go, is that what I want for my life? Yeah, and if totally. it is, good. And that's what you should be. You should be hanging around people that are smarter than you, further ahead than you, um, better at sport than you, whatever it is, just that's who you should be hanging around with. And that goes back to growth mindset. If you have a fixed mindset, you want to hang around with people that are mm. below you because you won't ever get challenged and you'll always feel smart. And yeah, just awareness is the first thing. And you just, it's not like you say, you mentioned the 16, 17, your fr friends, group and whatever. And it's not like, don't ever talk to them again. Don't mm. ever see them again. It's just talk to them less and see them less, <laughs> you know? And it's, yeah, it's well, if they're going off doing drugs, it's just, you know, instead of hanging out with them three times a week, maybe once a fortnight. Yeah. And just and I just picked my times when I did, yeah. But then I I pushed myself to the people that were like you said that were trying to achieve or would allow me to achieve, yes. and I just kind of slowly gravitated towards those people. And they're all doing some all of my group of friends that we have now from school that we're still connected with. A lot of them are doing some great things in different fields, and I was like, this is awesome. You can see we're that that group is helping each other. We're enhancing each other because. We're a positive environment that want people to be their best. Yeah. And that ties into one one last thing on this is, um, like you said, and this is so common, I've been there, you tried to help those people and I've been the same in different times in my life and you try to help them and it's very common, anyone listening I'm sure can resonate exactly with this. You know, you see someone not doing as well in a certain area and you know you can help them. You can see it black and white clear as day and you try to and they just push you away kick you back and it starts to f you feel a bit like oh i'm trying i'm trying to help this person and then something i learned it was uh, we were chatting about stoicism before i really mm. enjoy it and epictetus a stoic philosopher said don't talk about your philosophy embody it yeah that's that's a nice yeah live it hey yeah just live it yeah. and that's exactly what you're saying there just you and all those people they went and did it they can other people can see it and they follow it yeah whereas if Steve Adams at the age of 19 was trying to tell these other people, I'm sure they would have told him, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and like we said before, is if I'm living it, people, you want to be around people like that. Yeah. Like, What's that guy? He's got something about him. I remember thinking that, that person, man, that person's like, I could never, I could never put it into words, but I was like, I want to be around that person. Mm. And then, and then pick their brains and find out what they're doing. And um, yeah, it's, it's a cool environment if you can get it right. And you have the opportunity to have an environment where you can come out of that and go for your aspirations and dreams. 100%. Yeah. Pictures of performance. Yeah, so this is the one I alluded to at the start and the one that I've added in last, but I think it's one that needs to, it gets layered in on the journey. So when, when we first start, we play because we love the game. Whatever it is, if it's rugby, if it's athletics, if it's business, we do it because we just love it. But then over time, when we're trying to really hone that craft and go up the level, we have to get a lot more understanding around what are the key fundamental things that I need to do on a daily that goes back to the deliberate practice that is going to allow me to get to the level that I need to get to. Um, and I used the table tennis as the example before around 
having not a huge understanding around what strength and conditioning do, could do to allow more spin and more power on the bat. So that's a really a, a example. For me, it was interesting. I probably got the skills piece early on and knew that I had to really hone my craft with the skills of throwing the ball and of passing, of hooking the ball, of scrummaging. So I understood those fundamentals. But I remember when I turned up to the Academy 2021 and I'd never drunk water, i just drunk cordial because that's what we had on the table growing up. Yeah. And then the, and the nutritionist was like, how much cordial are we having? And I said, oh, four or five glasses a day. And I had no concept of what recovery or nutrition or hydration looked like that would help me train better so that I could play better. I just, I ate what was in front of me because that's what I knew, I had no understanding. So I, um, I wouldn't say I had um, an environment where nutrition was really focused on growing up, but when we were growing up, I wasn't really talked about either. There was nothing around, you need this much protein or carbs, or yeah. it was, I'd have white bread with chips in it for when I yeah. got home from school and yeah. watching TV. Yeah. And my body shape um, put on weight quite easily, and I was always an overweight kid, but I still never really had an understanding about what that looked like until I got into the academy and got a nutrition at 2021. And as soon as I started eating better, I lost about eight kg within like a month yeah. of training more mm. and just eating better. I was just getting rid of all the junk that I had on me. And inflammation. And I had no no understanding. And I'd wonder why some games on a Saturday I'd, I'd feel great and other days I'd feel really tired and unenergetic. But I, but I hadn't, at 20 I had still had no process of that. So mm. that, that was one of the understandings of me of what the pictures of performance, that nutrition was a real key factor for me to play well, to train better, to recover, to be at my best, but I, but I had to learn that along the way. So I knew the strength and conditioning, I knew the skills, but I had no understanding on nutrition. Until the end, nutrition was probably the hardest part for me to get right. Um, and it was probably a little bit more with how I grew up and I was overweight as a kid, like really overweight. So when I was 13, I was 96 kg. Wow. So I was a really overweight kid. Um, love food like really love food so I can really when the dinner's on the table I'm zoned in mm. and then get to the end and, and I'd be 14 out of 10 and be like oh I'm just it too much but I wouldn't wouldn't have that awareness and yeah. then the nutrition was like you just need to eat to seven or eight out of ten Jed so I had to really concentrate and be yeah. mindful about how I was eating and that was always hard but I started getting more awareness around the pictures of performance that if I did this this helped me here on a Saturday yeah um, and like that, that table tennis, if I go and get more leg strength, then that power's gonna come through the floor and eventually end up on my racket. Yeah. That's understanding pictures of performance. And another example would be, I had a kid who's um, doing really, really well, training heaps, doing heaps at school. And then I asked him, what are you doing to like, just for fun, to like get your energy back, to fill your cup? And his mum laughed and goes, he doesn't do anything. It's just all, it's all a sport or school. And I was like, you need time to recharge your batteries. That's another way of looking, understanding your pictures performance is you can't have this humming all the time and this and your schoolwork humming all the time and you don't give yourself two hours on a Sunday to hang out with your mates. So that's yeah. another way of understanding, well, if you do that, you're actually going to be better for school than that. And he kind of looked back at me like, really? 
And I was like, totally, mate, because you, you've just got your energy balance wrong, and that's time and energy balance. But he just thought, I'm just going to go hell for leather at these two, and mm. it'll be all good. That's a whole other line of um, getting your pictures of performance right. And you see it over time with athletes. They slowly layer in different things over time, and they just build that that weak structure and what it looks like just over time looks and develops until by the end they're just they've got their perfect understanding of what their picture of performance looks like so they can be ready for that event or a Saturday or whatever it might be. Yeah, 100%. And uh, that's really interesting to say that. And literally during the week, I had a workman player one-on-one, had a Zoom call and provincial under-18 player. And they train all the time, kicking all the time. And he loves it though, and I yeah. do know he loves it. Like you know, I can, I can feel it. it. Like yeah. he, he's at home and he just loves going out kicking the ball. And just chatting to him, he was like, "Oh, I had six weeks off there, and it's going into the kind of start of a six eight week camp now before the interpros." And he was just telling me about his training, how much he was training over the last month since we talked last, and it was insane. Mm. And I kind of then straight away started. Oof! I was kind of thinking, "Oh." like that and I was kind of what are you doing outside of it you know just trying to and he said uh, oh I play golf with my friends and I was like oh okay and then he said yeah I don't want to get lessons I don't do anything because I know that if I do I'll start getting yeah, too competitive nice. and too intense and it was he's such a self-aware person yeah, Jeez, yeah, that's, he's, that's he's seven good. he's 16 I think or said playing yeah. you know playing a year young and um yeah he has really good awareness but yeah it's getting that balance because you do need to work like a savage there's no two ways about it there's yep. no two ways about it in anything. You look at any successful person, totally. you have to work like a savage, whereas most where most lay people, not to be derogatory, but most people who aren't saying the sport or the business or whatever it is, will go, that person's working too hard. Yep. That's how hard you have to work. Totally agree. And that's why I don't like the word balance because when you're going for dreams and aspirations and you're all in, yeah. you're not balanced. We've no, spoken about no. it. You're not balanced You're not. because you have to be single focused. Yeah. But you can get a balance in your life by having moments of just filling that cup and doing things that make you feel good away yes. from that sport. And so, and I say that to them. I said, "You're not balanced. You, you don't. You can't be. But you still need time just to recharge. What does that look like?" Yeah. yeah, to your friends, to your aunties and uncles, it's gonna look crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah simple as they will they won't be able to understand it they won't be able to have any conceptual understanding of what you're doing and Mm. they will think it's crazy they will think you're crazy they will think you're going to burn it they will think Mm. but it's like you say yeah there's those little times and it's not yeah like you say balance it can't be i know they're not working nine to five but it can't be nine to five and then six hours off and then sleep for eight hours It, it often can't be nah nah because and and people from the outside, like you see, just think it's crazy because they're not living it and they haven't seen it. But yeah, you still need those little little yeah. times just to recharge. What does it look like? Yeah, and I love there when you pictures of performance because when and you sent that when I was looking at it and when I was thinking even at the start of this, like say a hooker's throw or a, a pass or a kick or whatever. But it's no, it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's lifestyle. The, it's the whole. It's the whole whole athlete approach, right? So what am what am I doing for my mental health, my well being? What, what am I doing to hone my craft, my deliberate practice? What am I doing, the things around that are going to allow me to be better at that? So the nutrition, the mental skills, yeah. 
Yeah. How am I working on my confidence? That's yeah. understanding Pixar's performance. Have a lot of athletes that will come to me and go, um, oh, I have a lot of anxiety before the game. I'm worried. Mm. And I said, well, what, you, what tools and strategies are you using? And they're like, oh, I don't have anything. Mm. So I said, well, you've got a plan. You've got a strength and conditioning plan and you've got a plan for when you're playing the game. Why don't you have a mental skills plan? Yeah. And they don't understand that concept until they start getting some support because knowledge is power, right? Yeah. So then we give them some support in it and then they come back and go, ah, now I got it. Yeah. So sweet, now we've just laid another picture of performance that they, they weren't really doing or they had no concept of. Now that's laid in. And that's, that's what I mean over time. You, over time, experienced athletes learn that just through practice. Yeah. But now we're hoping to give a lot of this early to these kids. So I said, look, I didn't understand that strategy until I was 25 or 26. I'm giving it to you at 17. How good. Because we just, I just had to learn it because there wasn't anyone teaching that that anxiety was yeah. snowballing and I had no breathing or positive talk or anything to help yeah. me bring it back. It was just worry. Yeah. And this will lead us into the next one, yeah. a quality coach and mentor. And it's um, it's so interesting and it's going to, it's not there yet, it's nowhere near, but it's going to go the way of physical performance of S&C. And people at all levels are going to understand that the moment that one needs an SNC program will be the moment one needs a mental skills program. Mm, so yeah, yeah. for whatever yeah, sport, yeah, whatever sport you're doing, whatever it is, you know, when I, I remember Connacht under 15s, we started learning how to bench press and squat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you had to go under an, an empty yeah. bar and that's the way it's going to go. And it's so interesting. Someone recently, not recently, a few months back last season relative of a pro player uh messaged me was like oh they're so down whatever whatever they've you know they're in the team and then they're out of the team now would you send them a message and i was like i'll jump in a zoom call with them and have a chat you know mm. just say like it might be good just just compliment whatever just yeah, you know yeah. just you know just we'll go jump in a zoom call have a chat whatever whatever and he's like oh i don't know yeah i'll, I'll message you just maybe just send them a message this time and i'm like there's no, I was like, there's no point mm. in me saying, send a message and, and say, you know, don't worry this, that, the other, and, you know, give a few different tools or whatever, because that's like teach a man to fish or, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day or teach yeah. him. You can't just like, just a one off. It has to be a part of your practice. It has to be like S&C. It's not like, oh, I got dropped. Go to the gym for two weeks and try and get back into the team yeah. and then forget the gym. You know? I agree. Totally agree. And it's, and it's interesting because when COVID hit here, who was so obviously everyone started going we've got no money that's super teams yeah. so they had to start cutting staff yeah first staff to go mental skills yeah. and performance psychology but the funny <laughs> thing was at that time the most important person they needed was the mental skills and the performance psychology because they've just everyone's in a, in a high heightened state yeah they need to be resilient and you've just cut the person that can help yeah um, i always talk about this is the other thing is if you look at a team Obviously, you always your coach is the first one on the list. He gets yeah, paid the coach. most. He's first list. Then it's the manager, and then it's the team doc or whatever, and it yeah, goes down yeah. the line. The physio, but I could play a game without a coach. Of course, you could. Because we, you know how to play. I could, I could train in the gym without an S and C coach. Yeah. But a but a physio, if I got injured, I would need a physio. Yeah. But they're normally the first to go, and they get paid the least. Mm. But if you look at the other way around, they're almost the most important because if mm. I if I do my hammy, I yeah. don't know how long I'm out for or what I've done or how what what my I might have a bit of an understanding about rehab, but I I have no concept on that. Yeah. And 
the physio you see the most outside the game, but they're paid the least and they're the first to go. Yeah. It's really interesting how people, what they value. 100%. And rugby's still obviously a relatively new, which both of our main yeah, you yeah. Know, sport or whatever, relatively new professional sport. And Eddie Jones said this like two years ago. He said that we used to have one coach and you played the game and now we've six coaches. Yeah. And it's so true as well. Like we've, we've six coaches in professional teams or whatever you've, whatever way you mix it up forwards back set piece to defense breakdown coach um transitions coach yeah, yeah, transitions. Head, of course yeah, yeah. head coach and you can take out of any professional team you can take one of those cut them right away Pre- performance will not drop more than two yeah. percent because other coaches can take up the slack yeah but like you say you cut physios or there's no mental skills coach or they come in once yeah. a week yeah yeah they come in once a week you know and yet you've yet yeah, I find it just so mad. Yeah, and the only and the, and the other thing is if you look at the deficit model, they wait till the team's going real bad, like that kid, and they go, "Oh, we need you now." And I was like, "Well, that's at the bottom of the cliff. Like, why can't we teach these strategies and tools yeah. right at the start? You've got them at the wrong time. Mm. You're asking me to come in when they're struggling. You're still going to come in. Yeah. But why don't you why don't you front load that and give them the tools and strategies before your team's struggling? Yeah. But yeah, it's it is it is getting better. It but is. It, it is still a work in progress and that stuff. But that's that's pictures of performance, right? There's, yeah. And there's so many layers to that. But strength and conditioning, nutrition and mental skills are probably the big three that yeah. lay around it. But, yeah, like we said, time and energy management, like how how are you doing stuff outside of the game? Well-being needs to be one of those pillars. It's mm. not at the moment. But, again, it's getting better. And yeah. people are being more and more aware of it. Um, and that will change over time, I reckon. Big time. So quality coaching or mentor? Yeah, so this is probably one I think about more about, again, looking back on my career. And it, and it does align to relationships and environment. I had a couple of key people along the journey that really believed in me, believed in me as a person mm. first, that really believed in me, that probably championed me along that journey without me really knowing it. Mm. Um, and there's one coach in particular, when I retired... Um, I hadn't spoken to him. He was my cricket coach, but he was a rugby coach, South African. Um, and I I just, I loved him. I loved his style. I loved, there's just some coaches that you feel like they really care about you. So mm. the feedback, I would want feedback because I knew he just really cared about me, wanted me to be better. But I loved his team talks and the style. Um, and when I retired, I sent him two jerseys. So I sent him the jersey of the first professional team I ever made. And I said, this was me making my first professional team, which was Wellington Lions. And then I sent him one of the Melbourne Rebels. And I said, this is the one when I really truly believed I deserved to be here and I was going well. And I sent him two and said, thank you for the support. From about 15 to 18, I had him. Mm-hmm. And he sent a text back and said, I've just been crying like a little baby. But I still have the positive emotion for like the, the amount of... Like, I can't thank him enough for what he did through that patch. And that's, you know, you're a teenager... There was probably a bit of ego, and I didn't really know who I was. But he and I grew up without a father as well, and I don't know if that really came into it. But I just really felt like he stepped in when I really needed him, and he and he believed in me, and he taught me things along the way about cricket and the game. But he taught me things about life mm. that I still think about now. And so, if you ask me who's the greatest coach I've ever had, it's him. Mm. But it's more because of his mentorship, how he looked after me, that I knew that he really cared about me and he really believed in me. 
um, in a real important transition time of my life when I was wondering if I had the ability to go further. It was just start becoming to start an option. Confidence was low, probably a bit of imposter syndrome or maybe I, I can't do this. And he was there along that journey. Um, so it's at the top of the rung, but it's just as important as the other ones. And I think if we all look back on our lives, we'll have people that teachers or people that we've worked with, <coughs> or family friends that have stepped in at times to do that. Um, and it's it's not valued enough. We don't really understand how much that mattered at that time. Um, so I will say thanks to Mark Borthwick, Bortho. Thanks for the help, mate. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I think it has to be on the list. It has to be part of part of it and different people step in at different times, but it's so important. Yeah, 100%. I yeah, put a chapter in it in my book about yeah a mentor or yeah guidance in that way. And just when you were talking there, I remember chatting to Robin McBride, the British and Irish Lions and Leinster coach yeah. on here, and he said something very similar. And around that age, 15 to 18, he said, we were just chatting and he just brought it up. He's like, oh, well, when I was that age in the north of Wales, a non-rugby playing area, there was just someone who went above and beyond mm -hmm. for him. And what he said was, was good as well is that like I could, I could think of three people right there yeah. when you were saying it two coaches Mike Ruddock and Nigel Carlin who I've both had on the podcast and then a teacher I've had who's just a very good person Brian Lynch and Ross Gray and I remember what Robin said is with those people just ask for more from them or or, or like seek you know yeah. get their help you know you you feel that they're helping you but you know meet up for them with them before training and just get make make it more of a I don't know process or, or just yeah oh, right. see them more develop the relationship yeah, yeah develop yeah. the relationship more I yeah. wish I did more too the only good thing about cricket is you're away quite a lot so there was a lot of downtime but I really wish I continued that on and and valued I didn't really understand how what he was how good it was for me at the time yeah. I wish I continued on with my early part of my career when I was struggling Hey, Bortho, you out for a coffee, mate? Let's go have a yard. You know, like I wish I did more of that. Yeah. And uh, brilliant. And then over the top, yeah, dreams, like, you know, not yeah. goals. Yeah, because we've spoken about this. Like dreams, this is like we spoke about with some people that feel like there's something more in them. Like mm. I truly believe if you ask anyone, even if they say no, everyone has dreams. Mm. Everyone's sitting there going, oh, I'd love to do that. But it's something like only 10% of the world is actually following through on that. And that's sad. That's sad because the fear of failure or or things come in life and they and they see the obstacles and challenge and can't see past those or mm. their environment's not right. Mm. That's allowing them to see past that. But I think what I'm here to do now and I think about my mission in life now since I've retired is to allow more people to go towards their dreams and meet a, I don't know if it's a mentorship role, but to say you can do this and actually give them, you can do this. If you if we nail off this framework, you can go towards them. I don't know where that will finish for them, but I do know that they'll look back on their life and go, I gave it a red hot crack and I was all in and I learned all this about myself and I became an awesome person along the way. Mm. And that's actually probably more important than actually making the goal. Yeah. So it's the journey over the destination, you know, like we talk about, yeah. but it's hard to see it like that. You still need that goal or aspiration to go, 
I want to be the head coach of Ireland one day. Yeah. So what does that look like for Brian? It's coming to New Zealand and honing your craft and seeing what they do here, taking your knowledge from Ireland and what you learn in New Zealand, then you become a slightly better coach. And then you go, I'm going to push myself and go for this coaching role. And you may miss the first time. Yeah. And then you get it the second time. And then you have a chat with Fruby and he talks about your leadership styles. That's understanding pictures and performance. That's growth mindset. That's having a positive environment around you. That's deliberate practice. Yeah. Like you're just nailing it off. We don't, you don't have to get real technical and say, I need to do that line, but you can see the framework works for what you're trying to do. Or if it's trying to be the number one podcast and, and that's your goal and aspiration. So what do you need to do? What are the pictures of performance that are going to allow you to do that? So we can all use that framework. And what I just say to everyone is like, put it down on paper, tell some people and then have a crack. What's mm. the worst thing that can happen? I, there, there isn't, you'll learn some stuff along the way and then you'll become a better person. 100%, yeah. And cheers to that, cheers yeah. to that, yeah. Um, and it's so true, it's um, the fear of failure, but, and it, you said 10% following their dreams, it could be even less, or I who knows, be, yeah, who be, knows, yeah. I've heard percentages of less, and one must, or one must have, have a, some mission that fires them up. Like, I've been in jobs where I didn't like them, mm. and, you spend literally half your life for eight hours a day, five days a week. So it's maybe 45% of your life doing something you don't like. Mm. And the thing is, when you're doing something you don't like, you know that there's something that you do like and you're not doing that. So it's a double whammy. Mm. And then when you leave that, you're thinking about it and you're, it just brings down your energy. Totally. And I, and I get and I get up. You come out and some, you have, some people have to earn money for mm. the environment. Yeah. And all, all credit to them because they're doing what they need for their family. Yeah. Um, but I still think there's more for I, there's more for you. Like, yeah. And I, I've said to a couple, there's more for you guys. Like, mm. you can do more than this. There's more in this life than you just feeling like this is your ceiling point. Mm. Because your environment might tell it, be telling you that that's your ceiling point. Mm. Nah, nah. Let's shoot. Let's shoot for the stars and land on the moon. Well, what, what could it be for you? Um, and then their well-being is being met because they've got meaning and purpose on what they're doing. Yeah. That's a big chunk of well-being, right? That meaning and purpose piece. So, and then hopefully they've got some quality relationships along the way, because we know that's the biggest predictor. So, yep, we're going for goals and aspirations, but we're helping people thrive. Yeah, hundred percent. And great point you make as well is, it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. And it's that is so so true. And I need to remind myself Same. of that, maybe daily, yeah, or very regularly, because you it's your dream and vision is such a far stretch it's so far away that it, it can some days you start spinning your wheels and go geez what am i at yeah and you have to remind yourself of different things first up yeah that you need to enjoy what you're doing and another one is that challenge you know it's always darkest before the dawn challenges are put in your place to make yeah. you to make you grow and make you stronger and you're going through a challenging period and you just keep working through it and it'll it'll come good and it's always there's always some good around the corner and it's true that's all so true and mm. i know because we all have tough days and then when things yeah you just have to remind yourself that it is about the journey because if anyone looks back and i've been there you you play for connacht or ireland underage and then it's like oh that's it mm. that's it you know whereas you for years you want to do it and but it's the years that are the enjoyable part and we just we know that for a fact mm. when we think when we take a step back we know it i know but it's real hard when you're in it right and mm. good example you know like you you had to stop playing so you had these you know goals and aspirations yeah. and then that gets cut on you 
and then you, you adapt over time and then start coaching. But actually all that, all that work as a player and what happened through is makes you a better coach, yeah. but you don't see it like that at the time and mm. you don't know. But you'll look back one day and go, actually, not glad, but you needed that yeah. to help you be a better coach in the long run. Um, but at the time, flip, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, yeah. and that's and last one on it. Um, but like that, exactly what you're saying there, it's like nothing's in vain or it's nothing's, yeah. it's all worth it. You yep. know, whatever way you're working and you, what you mentioned there, a player, then a coach, and then your paths can change. Of course, things mm. change and will change. Who knows where either of us will be in five, 10 years or totally. we might be doing different things. We might be saying we, we prefer different things, whatever, that's normal. But working hard, all this stuff, will help you wherever you're wherever you go and that's the last one is um i hate them when people try to talk people out of their dreams mm. oh well there's a very small chance of them getting that yeah yeah so what yeah that's why and then when they, that's why when you do do your accomplishments you'll be happy because it was hard if it's easy it's it's too easy it wasn't worth the challenge um so the big thing that i i probably want to leave you with is for anyone that's listening is just write down two things that you could do that could make you better towards what you want to do and just start. Don't let that fear of failure, just the two things. It might be going to the gym. It might be eating better. Like with one meal, breakfast, eating breakfast. Start with one and just see where that journey takes you over time. Incredible. Cheers, Jed. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Cheers for listening in today. I hope today's podcast helped you on your journey. Be sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's episodes and all the important links. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be an absolute legend, please share it with a friend on social media or by text and let me know what you enjoyed about the episode over on our social media channels at Brian Moylet. I really love hearing your feedback and it helps us make the pod better. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can leave up to a five-star review. If you're in sports or business and you want to get better results, you feel like you're capable of more, you want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful in what you are doing, head over to my website now, offfieldrugby.com, and we'll set up a time to have a chat for free. You can get my new book now on Amazon and Audible and the links are in the show notes. Thanks Emil for clicking in today. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.